Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for November 23rd, 2014. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Russ Dean, co-pastor with Amy Jack Steen at Park Road Baptist Church. His sermon this morning is entitled, Thankful for a Good Night's Rest. Is there anything better I mean, really, anything better than a good night's sleep. It is one of the best things there is in this life, but a good night's sleep isn't all that easy to come by, as I'm sure most of you know. We are easily disturbed physically and mentally, emotionally, psychologically, and our sleeping habits often reflect that state of our health. Sleep is a multi-billion dollar industry in this country, from medications promising to sing us a lullaby every night, to anti-snoring devices promising a few Z's for your partner, to sleeping clinics promising to diagnose our insomnia and teach us, teach us how to sleep. So let me ask you today, as I ask my boys every single morning, How did you sleep last night? Did you get a good night's rest? It's hard to start the day knowing that you did not get enough rest the night before. Is there anything better than a good night's sleep? As important as it is, though, it's ironic that we spend so much time doing it because life is too short. We spend about a third of our precious time unconscious that the world is even spinning around us. No one I know has enough time to do what they want to do, what they feel they need to do, yet if you get the amount of sleep the researchers say our bodies need, and if you live the average American life expectancy, you will spend 26 years and three months asleep. 26 years and three months asleep. That's 229,961 hours of your life, or according to one internet blog, just enough time to watch Die Hard 105,325 times. (laughs) Is there anything better than a good night's sleep? It is good and so important that sleep, quote unquote, sleep has become a kind of metaphor, an appropriate measure of lots of good things in this life. When we awake rested, we say, oh, I slept like a baby, because in the innocence of childhood, there are no anxieties or fears to keep us awake at night, tossing and turning, staring at the ceiling, looking at the clock, listening to all those things that go bump in the night. Or we say, let me sleep on it. Because we know intuitively that thoughts and ideas marinate in the night of a good rest. If we wake well and still feel good about a decision, then somehow we know it can be trusted. Or maybe there is some truth to what the prophets of old believed, that God actually does speak to us in our dreams. 
which may just be another way of saying what psychologists know well, that in that unconscious state, our subconscious minds are free to speak with our souls, finally uncluttered of the biases and anxieties and superficial concerns that bind us in the light of day. I know a minister who sleeps with a little notepad on his bedside table because he says he often wakes up in the middle of the night with ideas for a sermon, and if he doesn't write them down, he'll forget them by the next morning. He does some of his best thinking, it seems, while he's asleep. And if someone does something ethically questionable, we say, I hope you can sleep at night. Because we know from experience that a guilty conscience works like an industrial-sized prescription of no-dos chased down with a 12-ounce Mountain Dew. <laughs> Death, on the other hand, is often referred to as eternal rest. The frequent Old Testament euphemism is, he slept with his ancestors. Rest in peace. Is there anything better, I mean really, anything better than a good night's sleep? Today is Christ the King Sunday on the liturgical calendar. It's the Sunday before Thanksgiving on the national calendar. So I'm not quite sure how we got the parable of the wise and foolish bridesmaids on our worship calendar for today but I am responsible for that selection, so let me try to make some sense of this for you. Eschatology is a big sounding word, but it's not hard. You all know what it means, because I would bet hardly a week goes by in your life that you do not hear something about the end of time. People have always been obsessed with it. Recent court decisions have made gay marriage the soup du jour on the internet lately. One of my preacher camp friends, the only South Carolina pastor in that trusted group of my colleagues, has been quoted recently by several media outfits in the Palmetto State speaking in favor of marriage equality. Though I do not spend much time on Facebook, this past week, I did copy one of the news articles quoting this friend of mine and appreciating the courageous stand he is taking in my home state, which is not always known as a bastion of liberalism. <clears throat> wow. You wouldn't believe the response. Instantly, vitriolic attacks almost immediately. You see, some of my other friends think I haven't read the Bible and they thought they would let me know what it says. <laughs> and one friend quickly let me know that a sign of the last days is homosexuality will become widespread. You see, apparently there have not been any gay people until just recently. <laughs> I'm being facetious. Contrary to his opinion, the decision by the Sixth Court of Appeals does not indicate that we are likely to experience the end of time anytime soon. 
Because the Bible also says those last days will be accompanied by wars and rumors of wars and by earthquakes and natural disasters. And if you have noticed, those are not new either. Wars and earthquakes and people of all shapes and sizes and all political and intellectual and sexual orientations have been with us from the very beginning. Those so-called signs of the times have accompanied every generation. But I am afraid people have been losing sleep worrying about the last days since the very first days. I don't mean this as too much of a sidetrack and I don't mean you to get off track here. It's just that in every age, people have pointed to change and pointed to worrying things in the newspapers and, and troublesome signs around them as quote-unquote signs of the times. They've always done it. They always will. What a shame. Jesus has a word for us today. It is a good word that should make you sleep well at night. No matter how dire your circumstances, no matter how sensational the headlines, it's a word that, will, that may make for the very best thanksgiving, though like most truth, we'll have to dig a little to find it, because people have always preferred worrying to working, have always chosen fear over faith. But if we can learn Jesus' truth, I promise you it's a prescription for solid rest. In his commentary on this gospel, Eugene Boring says, Matthew's telling, Matthew's telling of this parable is curious. And the way he goes about it should be a clue to us that Matthew has a purely eschatological purpose in mind. Remember the choir's anthems. Keep your lamps trimmed and burning. The metaphor of bride and bridegroom is a familiar biblical one. In the Old Testament, Yahweh is often pictured as the bridegroom with Israel as his bride. The disciples of Jesus quickly adopted that imagery, making Christ the bridegroom and the church his bride. But Matthew's parable doesn't follow that logic so easily. The story on its face is incongruous. There's no bride in this story. Where is she? And what bridesmaids wait for a groom at his house? And what shopkeepers sell oil at midnight? Eugene Boring says this parable is eschatological through and through. How do we live in light of anxious words all around us? Words about last things, end times, the end of the world, Matthew is inviting us to think carefully about how Jesus would have us to live in those times. When I chose this text last summer and hastily summarized the passage for our worship planning guide, I wrote these words. Jesus' idea was never to sit around anxious about tomorrow worried about end times. He exhorted a careful perseverance. No matter what happens around you, be steady, 
watch and wait. Keep your lamps trimmed and burning. Well, that's a good word, but it's not exactly what Jesus says in Matthew. I didn't read carefully enough. That message actually better suits the eschatology of Mark's gospel. With those anxious signs of the times all around, Jesus says in Mark simply, about that day and hour, no one knows. Just be aware. Keep alert. Or as the bumper sticker says it, Jesus is coming. Act busy. But Matthew's take is a little bit different from that. Though he does finish with that word, keep awake, his bridesmaids express their watchfulness in an odd sort of way. His bridesmaids express their watchfulness with their eyes closed. As they await the coming of the groom, they sleep soundly. Someone has to yell, look! The bridegroom is coming to wake them up. No anxious theology is keeping them awake. No guilty conscience is making them restless. No fearful worry is keeping them listening to every rattle in the rafters, every creak in the floor. Their watchfulness is a vision of confidence and trust. What separates the wise and the foolish is not that the wise stay awake and the foolish miss the groom because they are asleep. They all sleep. The foolish miss what is important because they had not prepared accordingly when they were awake. Do you understand? Matthew's parable is one we need to hear today. We who are so anxious about so many things. I hear it from you frequently. So anxious about so many things. Matthew's parable says this to us. Work hard. Live well. Do the right thing. Be thoughtful about what really is important in this world. Not last things as much as lasting things. Not end times as much as present moments. Not heaven, but the kingdom of God come on earth. That's where faith is. That's what faith is for. Faith should not keep us up awake at night, worried about judgment day. Now, faith should be a sobering reminder that every day is a day of judgment. Our lives judged by our faithfulness. But with that sobering realization should come a comforting confidence for people of faith. That God is always with us. That grace is always sufficient. That true love is always unconditional. You are loved. You are forgiven. You can be at peace. You should be at peace. If you can go from here with that kind of faith in your heart, every day will be thanksgiving. 
and you will have sweet dreams tonight. May it be so. Amen. Thanks for listening today. We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Grace and peace to you.